Well, good morning. Good morning. My name is Mark Mosio. I'm the Vice President of Safety, Compliance, and Regulatory Affairs at Fleet Complete. And we are now launching our inaugural podcast called Let's Talk Trucking. With me, I have two special guests, Bob Zabek, professional truck driver. Hi, Bob. Hi, how are you? Good, good. Welcome. Thank you. I also have with me Guy Broderick, recruiting, driver training, and motorsport supervisor, social media specialist, webmaster, and all-around great guy. Good morning, Mark. Hey, how's everything going? Good, sir. Good. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for taking the time from your busy schedule and also for Apps Transport Group for allowing you to spend time with us. I want to start with you, Bob, because I know you want to get going and you probably have some freight to move. So the last time we were together, we did the inaugural Let's Talk Trucking and we did a day in the life of a truck driver. So it was a perfect day for me. The only thing it would have been better had you let me drive the truck. You'll have to come back and we'll do it again and that, you can drive. That sounds great, Bob. So, you know, at the end of the day, the scales were all closed anyway, so I wouldn't have met any of my old MTO buddies that anyway. I can't control. So, so it's been a while now. I just wanted to catch up with you and also because the ELD mandate is just around the corner. So I really want to get your take on it, Bob, and also give your perspective yep. as, a, as a manager with Apps Transport Group, how you're really preparing for the ELD mandate. So if I recall, when we were last together, you and I walked through around the truck. We did an inspection together. You completed your DVIR, your driver vehicle inspection report, and you went through the hours of service uh, on the mobile tab. So I just wanted to know, are you still operating? Are you operating under AOBRD or under ELD? ELD. You're operating on ELD, okay. So that's something that you did from the outset? or Right from the beginning. We never we never switched them over to the, the first one. Okay, I'm just curious why you would not forego the AOBRD privileges and go straight to ELD. Well, it was simply because we, we knew that the, the whole concept was going to be changing to an ELD format, and we were new to the system, so we said, you know what, let's start out on ELD right away. That's great. Well, you know, as the company that you operate, you know, best in class, I'm not surprised that you'd go straight to ELD. Now for you, Bob, if I understand when we had the, the ride along, we stayed within Canada, but if I'm not mistaken, you do travel to the United States, correct? Yes, I do. Okay. So while traveling in the United States, you are operating under ELD logs? Yes. Okay. Under, under their rules. Right. I switch at the border. You switch at the border and then you have to comply with the U.S. rules while on U.S. soil. And then when you come back into Canada, you switch back over to Canadian rules, right? Yes. So I'm just curious, have you had to do anything since you've been on ELD for some time now with the mandate just around the corner on December 16th? Is there anything special that you've done differently or it's just all systems go as usual? It's all systems go as usual. There's nothing special. It does everything for you. I, I just change if I go across the border. Right, right. And then, uh, Guy, from your perspective uh, on the management side, with the team here, like the, the dispatchers and your safety professionals and everybody else within the company that interacts with customers, have you had to do anything differently? No. No, we've basically kept everything exactly the same. And uh, with Bob... It, he just goes through the changes that he needs to do when he crosses the border. Um, we Bob was uh, more or less our first uh, test uh, driver to be on it on a full-time basis because of the work that he does in the U.S. Okay. But uh, come uh, in January, we're rolling it out to our entire fleet here in Ontario. Great. And 
most likely February, March, it will be within our uh, equipment that's in Western Canada. That's excellent. So I'm just curious, are you aware of some of the differences between AOBRD and ELD in the United States, how the rules are going to change? Like, not that it's going to affect you directly because you're still running under ELD, but there are a lot of carriers that are still AOBRD, and they're going to see that it's quite different with ELD. Why would carriers not want to change that well, earlier on? You know, it's interesting you ask that question because, as an example, in Canada, you know that the Canadian ELD mandate's coming June 2021. 2021, yeah. There's not going to be a grandfathering clause for AOBRD in Canada. But what happened in the United States, they did this to sort of ease the transition. Oh, as you know, okay. things were um, controversial, if I can use that term, when ELD was proclaimed. So the U.S. government decided they would allow for a smoother transition by allowing people to operate under automatic onboard recording devices under the old rules, and then eventually migrate, which is happening on the 16th of December. So probably the biggest thing, and you probably won't notice it, but for those that are on AOBRD, in the ELD world, the trucker is gonna gain so much more control. By that, in terms of log edits, if you're familiar with log edits, have, yep. you, had yes. to, have you had to do very much in the way of log edits? No. No, okay. not no. not for the kind of work that Bob does for us in the U.S. and and here in Canada, we're we're not that kind of fleet. I see. So even from the back office perspective, there hasn't been anything requiring the back no. office to push out a log edits. No, okay. never. You guys are like a perfect carrier, and you just well, don't we, make we, any. We like to, we like to think so. <laughs> I don't like warnings, and I don't like yeah. red marks on my yeah. tablet. Yeah. Of course. Well, what happens? Red flags are usually a sign that you're doing something wrong, and we don't like those flags. Of course. So under ELD, how it works is the driver is going to have control. In the old world, under AOBRD, did you know that the back office could actually edit your logs without your knowledge and consent? Why would they want to do that if they're yeah. good? Yeah, so if they're good, that's fine. But under AOBRD, you could wake up one day and have your 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 log edited on behalf of somebody else without your knowledge. Oh, I don't like that idea. I know. <laughs> so under ELD, they won't be able to do that. So the other thing is uh, there's some different scenarios. You, you run as a solo driver, correct? Yes. Do you occasionally have a co-driver with you? We did it for one race yeah. in Florida back in February of I this see. year. Okay, and, it and could happen, but for the most part, it won't. But it's a possibility. We had okay. to do a quick turn down yeah. for testing the car, so we had to go two drivers. Yeah. Right, right. We literally found out on a Friday afternoon. I had to oh, be there Sunday night. Yeah. Wow. Can the truck be there Sunday? Well, you have to be very nimble yes. with that, right? Yeah. yeah. So in terms of drive time under ELD, it cannot be changed. You cannot edit. That's one of the key provisions within the rulemaking. You can't edit drive time. The only condition or the only exception to that is if you're in a co-driver scenario. So say you're co-driver number one and you're driving the vehicle, you have co-driver number two in the sleeper berth. After, during the course of the day, you decide to switch. Co-driver two goes into the, into the driver's seat, you go into the bunk. And if you happen to have forgotten to sign out as the driver, and co-driver two takes the wheel. Well, guess what? All of that drive time will be attributed to to you as yeah, co-driver number one, yeah. one. So that's the only exception that will allow for you to say, "Hey, wait a second here. That's not my drive time. The drive time belongs to you." But otherwise, there is no changing of of uh, editing of drive time. The other thing that happens if you're a single driver 
and you one day decide or you forget to log into the system and you start driving. Under ELD, it detects movement after five miles an hour or eight kilometers mm -hmm. in Canada. Yep. At five miles an hour, it'll attribute driving to somebody. So what's, what it's going to do is create an unassigned drive time. Now that's something very big that going forward after December 16th, and even now I get a lot of calls from clients about unassigned driving time. That is something the DOT is going to look at quite closely in terms of a safety audit because the time has to be attributed to someone. But under ELD, you have the ultimate right to accept or reject that drive time. Now, if you reject that drive time, then it would go back to Guy who would have to say, well, okay, uh, who was driving the truck on that day? Exactly. And then you'd have to reallocate that time. Otherwise, it's going to be one of the first questions the DOT is going to ask at time of audit. Let me see your unassigned drive time report. And if you don't have it attributed to somebody, that will be problematic. So have you had any notices for unassigned driving time? Yes, I get them here and there as I'm driving to Ottawa or something like that, you know, 15 minutes, two minutes, okay. uh, eight minutes. Like for example, yesterday I had one for eight minutes in Port Hope when I stopped. Right. So it says, do you wish to review this now or later? So I reviewed it now and I accepted it because I was driving at that time. Right. But why it does that, I have no idea. Interesting. It just, I, I think it loses con connection with the satellite or something that it might do that. Possibly. But it does that every now and then. The only other time that I have it is when the mechanic takes the truck. Right. And he takes it to his shop. Then I reject it because it was, not uh, a, it was on the weekend. It wasn't you know? him that did it. Sure. Like, for instance, today, uh, his truck has gone in for service today. So right. when it comes up, pops up. Hey, yeah, I, I'm going to reject like it because I'm off. Difference. And who better to have to verify it than you? Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So in that case, what I'm going to suggest you do, if you haven't done so already, is create an exempt driver account and then use the mechanic. That we have not done, but we can do that, yes. Yeah, so that, because what happens, like not that apps transport group will be audited any time in the near future, but if it does happen to happen, say you have a bad luck and you have a high profile crash as an example, mm -hmm. Um, that could trigger an audit, even though you're a pristine carrier, they oh, may yeah. want to come oh, yeah. in and audit. Yeah, if they, if they see something that was uh, faulty with the truck yep. or faulty with the driver, yes, they will come in and for yes. the audit. And then one of the first things they'll look for is the unassigned driving time. So if you've proactively created an exempt driver account, and then you use that for the mechanics as an example. Mm -hmm. So protecting the company and protecting the driver is key. So the, the mechanic on that day would be an exempt driver. He would merely annotate in the remarks section, I'm taking the vehicle for service that day. And that time would be attributed to the exempt driver and it wouldn't fall back and there'd be no debate. That's what you want to avoid going forward. Any debate after the fact, because if it hasn't been done and now you're trying to explain this away, when the DOT is there, right there and then, that is much more problematic. Exactly. So the other thing I'm just curious, have you been recently stopped just like a random inspection in Canada or the United States? Have they at a scale or at a, a lay-by, a pull-off location? I've been stopped in San Francisco, just south of San Francisco in 680. Okay. In the last week of September coming back. And they did a complete safety. They put me in Bay 4 and they went from top to bottom, really? back to front. Nice. 
found no mistakes or anything. Everything was good. Everything passed. So that what they call a level one CVSA inspection. Did they go through the undercarriage of the? Oh yeah, they have a big pit. They walk underneath there with a flag. He says, when you see this flag waving, right, step on the brakes and you hold it. Don't let them go. Sure, they're testing your air pressure. Yeah, and uh, so it's just a matter of watching what he was doing. Sure, and uh, he was very impressed with the brake setup. They were all the same. They weren't different. They weren't out of line or anything. Nice. And then uh, when he finished all that with my paperwork and everything was good, he checked my uh, logbook. Did he check the electronic device as yes, well? Yes, he okay. checked the electronic logbook. And, uh, did he go just the day in question or did he? He looked at that day and he went back, I believe was five or six days, but okay. everything was off duty because I was at the Laguna Raceway. Okay. And uh, he was satisfied, no complaints, no nothing, and Fair. wished me good luck. Did he put some CVSA stickers on the truck? Yes, he did. Good. He put one on the truck, and he put one on the trailer. You always ask for that because that's like oh, your, yeah. that's like your cookie, you know. Yeah. Look, I went through this. I yeah. want my sticker. Yeah, you know. And I used Please. to, <laughs> when I was a former inspector, I used to sometimes run out of the stickers because the trucks, a lot of trucks I would inspect, and they only give you a, a certain amount of, of stickers, and they're all serialized as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah they're all so you can track it. And if you run out of stickers, I'm telling you, the truckers would get upset. They'd say, like, I pass, and get, I want my sticker, because yeah. what happens that's is... My, this, that's my ticket. That's my ticket yeah. to, to well, if I go into the scale, I think you're on now with DriveWise, right? Yes. But if, if not, you go into the scale, they'll look for the sticker. It was a matter of the fact that the officer at the scale told me about that. Right. He says, you should shine up for that. And then we entered this in there, and the scale, approaching scale, knows that you've been safetyed. Yep. And there was no faults. And yep. nine out of ten, they'll let you go, just drive by. Perfect. Now, the key also, very important, I don't know if you knew this, but there's little corners on yeah, the they, stickers. Yeah, they'll cut off those. Th th those are relating because there's four different quarterly colored stickers. So on the first quarter, they would leave it as is. The second, they would peel off one corner. And in the third month, they would peel off the second quarter. Because oh, that would tell that you. exactly how that works? So that would tell you when the vehicle was actually inspected. So when the truck would come into the scale. They would they know would, it right away. They would look at the color, and they would see if any of the corners are peeled off or not. And that's from my I former. I was wondering, because I see trucks that have corner, one corner missing, or two corners missing, why it yep. was. And it's attributed to the time where the inspection is done. So just a little tidbit for your information. The other one that's so key, Bob, is keep the copy of your inspection report. Now, you're, you want to share it with, with Guy, and you want to keep it in the maintenance file. It is. Because what happens, again, at time of audit, those, those inspections are what they call time markers. So if, if you're being audited and say there's a defect that they find, they're now going to go look for the maintenance records and say, Bob was stopped on such and such a day with a burnt out light or a breakout of adjustment or a ball tire. I want to see the inspection. You'll get credited for marks. You'll get mm -hmm. some points for that. But then the other thing they're going to look at is your, your work order. The work order, the date, the time, the nature of the work. Everything that, has to correlate. Exactly. And that's what closes the maintenance loop. So I just thought I'd mention that to you as well. The other thing is I, I happen to get calls from clients, fleet complete clients. And I also get calls by the safety admin as well. And I want you to know, we at Fleet Complete, we protect your privacy. And I want you to know that if and when DOT would call and it's happened, they'll say, this is Inspector Smith, I have a vehicle stopped. I wanna ask you some questions about your customer. Well, the DOT is not our customer, just so you know. 
And unless we get written consent from Apps Transport yeah. Group, we will not speak. Not share that information. We will not share. We will never, ever share the information with you. But what I will do on some occasions is there's a diagnostics report. And many times when I get the call, the back office or the driver will say, your system's broken. Well, it's turned out, no, the system's not broken, but what has happened is the driver either purposely or not on purpose and unintentionally signed out of the system and has kept on driving. So the diagnostics report will say the vehicle's still in motion. In some other cases, if the ECM is disconnected, that'll show up on the, on the diagnostics report as well. But we are not sharing that with the DOT. The only time that could go sideways is, again, if something nasty was to happen, and they were to actually serve a summons upon Fleet Complete, we're obliged to share mm -hmm. the findings with a court order. Well, you can't be like Trump and say no. <laughs> there you go. You're the president. <laughs> yeah, right. That's, so that's the one thing that I like about Fleet Complete is the way the system is in the truck. It is not really accessible to anybody. It's literally buried within the dash. Right. Right. You can't just go in there and unplug things unless you're taking the dash apart. And that's one of the systems that I like about Fleet Complete compared to other systems. Great, that's good to hear. The other thing that's really key is the officer, when asking for your tablet, they'll want you to physically give you the tablet. They want, you, they want to look at the tablet. There's the inspect mode that you can sign into, which locks the inspection to merely the logs on the day in question and the previous seven days in, in the U.S. or previous 14 days in Canada as well. So it can't be tethered or hardwired into the truck. And I know some ELD vendors have it hard connection mm -hmm. into the truck. Well, the officer's not going to go into your truck. That's no. your That's your personal office. And many will not go on the running boards either. So did you know that was an actual violation if you can't physically show the tablet well, to the officer? <clears throat> that was one of the reasons why... Um, we went with Big Road was because of that. Uh, we recently launched an uh, in-house developed uh, P&D application that's used within the TruckMate system. And when we were sourcing out different products to use, first we were looking at a larger cell phone to use, but then between myself and our dispatch manager, we said a tablet would be much better because then the driver had A, they're much easier to see, Course. And if they have to uncradle it, hand it to an, a DOT officer, an MTO officer, it's easier for them to see. Sure. And that's why we specifically looked for a product that was a ruggedized product that can be outside in the rain and the snow and everything like that, right. just in case an officer has to see it when it is pouring rain outside. Exactly. And I guess the big thumbs that you have too, Bob, it's uh, the yeah, buttons it are helps. bigger. <laughs> the bigger buttons. The other thing I just want to talk to you about is just a little bit, as you know, Canada has an ELD mandate coming in 2021. And I want you to know that there are some differences in the Canadian and the U.S. mandate. It's very complex, but, you know, on the flip side, it kind of keeps me employed, you know, so. Which is a good thing. Yeah, it is a good thing. So in Canada, under AOBRD, as an example, you have some different options, okay? You can display the tablet. You can print the logs. Now, do you have a, a printer in your truck? No. It's not something you guys are considering doing. You know, We don't do, like I know uh, some carriers that will have a printer or a scanner because the amount of um, customs paperwork that they're crossing the border yep. with. Yep. 
But for the kind of work that we do cross-border within the U.S., yep. it's all done on a carnet. We don't really have to exchange massive amounts of paperwork sure. just because of the kind of work that we're doing. Exactly. Because there are so many different types of devices in the marketplace now. And, and think of me like I'm, a, I'm an old school person. You know, before I came to Fleet Complete, I knew how to turn on my phone. But, you know, the complexity of the devices... Truckers, the same demographics, like we're all in our mid to late 50s. You start throwing new technology to people, it can get complicated. Well, the same thing with the inspectors. They're now looking at two to 300 different types of devices and the way the logs are displayed. Many of them are going to say, you know what, I'm an old school. I don't want you to, uh, to show this to me. I want you to either print it or I want you to recreate it or I want you to email it to me. So this is why it's key and one thing I want to leave you with is you always have to have a blank logbook in your possession at all times. Yeah, that's that kind of like that I do. Yeah, that's kind of like your fail safe because if the officer says, you know, I don't want to see that technology, I want to stick to the old rules. You have to have the ability to recreate the day in question, and if you're in the United States, the previous uh, seven days, and if in Canada, the previous fourteen days. It's kind of a pain, but did you know on the flip side, if you don't have that backup? There could be some enforcement well, action. Well, the tablet could break. Something could yeah. go wrong. Yeah. yeah like, like and most a, places now, they don't sell logbooks like they used to. Yep. They're very, very hard, to, especially in the States. They're very difficult to find. Yep. But uh, I have two or three, I think, I got in the, that I carry with me. Like, sure. it is a ruggedized As long product. as they're all blank, right? They're not pretty. <laughs> oh, well, now, I'm not saying anything there. <laughs> um, it is a ruggedized product, but... As Bob said, you know what? You could drop it, yep, right? It, it could break, yep. right? But uh, I do know here in Ontario that when you uh, drive past the scales, that uh, now they will have a email address right on the, the actual windows. So if you need to email the logs or uh, the vehicle inspection reports, right. and all of our tablets, they're all data-enabled tablets. So Excellent. You can email it from anywhere. Just type in that address. Drivers have full access to that. Perfect. And they can email it right to the officer or for that particular scale in question. That's excellent. Now, that just highlights another difference with the U.S. In the United States, after December sixteenth, 2019, it's going to be the E-ROD system. Are you familiar with the no. E-ROD data transfer? So essentially, you get stopped at roadside under ELD. The officer is going to provide you with a unique identifier, and you are going to E-ROD your output file, which is essentially your log. And they'll, they'll say, okay, you want just the day in question? You want the previous seven days as well? That E-ROD will actually go to the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. It goes to their head office. Through the unique identifier, will then get bounced back to the officer at the scale or at the side of the road. In Canada, there's been a conscious decision not to do that, just so you know. In Canada, they're going to stick to what you've just described, the email address. So that's something else that's different between Canada and the U.S. Now, is that purely, this is just a curiosity question, is that purely because the way the FMCSA operates compared to the Canadian? Pretty side? much, pretty much. So I call it the Made in Canada ELD, and I'm going to talk about a few other variances because there are some differences, and it's almost like the U.S., that's your sandbox. We in Canada have our own distinct sandbox, and we're not going to do things the same way. It's the same thing with the hours of service rules. 
as you likely know, Bob, you're traveling U.S. and Canada. Yes. The rules are not the same. No, they're not. That's a separate discussion altogether. But at, at the end of the day, you're afforded more hours while in Canada. So when you're arriving at the border, say in Fort Erie, you can switch over to the Canadian rules. Yes. And all of a sudden, you've gained two extra hours of driving. Yes. That's right. And but, you know how nice that is to gain two extra hours when you're coming back from Florida or someplace yeah. out there? <laughs> Think of the flip side, though. Oh, well, yeah. You're leaving, you're leaving Fort Erie to go to Buffalo. Yeah, now. you lose those hours and that's it. Yeah, so you have to comply with the U.S. rules while you're there. The other point I wanted to reference with the backup for the blank logs is in the event of ELD malfunctions. As you know, technology will fail. You'll drop the device. You know, we had an issue, I don't know if you've read in, in social media on the paper, a vendor had an ELD malfunction and it affected a large contingency of truckers. It was all over social media. I actually did a, um, a YouTube video about that. How do you manage when there's an ELD malfunction? Again, you have to default back to the paper logs. And this is what truckers had to do. So the difference under AOBRD and ELD is under AOBRD, as long as you're annotating the malfunction, you don't have a timeline. You don't have a, 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 a deadline. Under ELD, it's eight days. So you can appreciate Ops Transport Group with say, how many, how many trucks do you have in your fleet? Uh, total across Canada is around 120. 120 trucks. Can you imagine you'd have eight days to configure with a new vendor? So in this particular instance, the malfunction was, was corrected. So they're, they're all back, all hands on deck. But, you know, have we had any malfunctions that you're aware of? No. Okay. Nothing really to... Nothing anything to speak of. Nothing, no. And the only other issue that I could see happening would be on the hypothetical that there's a, a truck issue where the truck is, goes down, say when Bob's on one of his U.S. trips goes down and he has to pick up a rental truck. Oh, I see. And I do know that you can because, yes, a lot of rental fleets do make it compatible to use an ELD in their rental fleet. Right. But you have to look at, is this particular vendor fleet complete going to be compatible in ABC truck rental out of Rochester, New York. Right. Right. That is that is very challenging because you, you picture that scenario if that type of vehicle is not otherwise exempt. Like in the United States, you have some exemptions mm -hmm. uh, older than the year 2000 models that don't have ECM connectivity. Yeah. But if there is ECM connectivity, essentially from a fleet complete big road perspective, you have to actually add that vehicle to the fleet. And then for you, you'd have to now be able to sync your device with the with the with the technology to have uploaded the day in question and the previous seven days as well so that again is a third reason why you want to be able to have your backup paper logs mm -hmm. yeah so Definitely. so the other thing I, I want to move on is just get your thoughts on there's some other provisions privileges that are granted to drivers the the two key ones that come to mind are yard moves and yes. personal conveyance. Now, is that something? We actually implemented that uh, because sometimes you might go uh, to a distribution center that is acres in size, right. right? And you might have to go drop your trailer. Or in Bob's case, when he goes to these different racetracks, some of them, correct me if I'm wrong, they're huge. Oh, yeah. Like we're talking acres and acres of yeah. land where he comes in the entrance on one side and it's like 30 minutes driving on that property just to get to where the paddock is that he has to 
uh, set up the team. I see. Right. So we've completely changed it where we have that uh, yard conveyance. The benefit to that, Bob, as you likely know, is it's a manual entry that you'll you'll agree to, and that basically, even though you're driving a commercial motor vehicle, because you're off a public roadway, you can claim it as yard move, and that becomes on duty, not driving. Yeah. So it won't affect your drive time. It does affect your on duty time. However, yes. you're still you're still having to comply with the maximum 14 hour on duty time in the U.S., and you still have to take the half hour break before the eighth hour as well. I but, use it here every morning in the yard looking for the trailer because our yard is so packed. Sometimes I find my trailer right away. Right. But I have to find the shunt man to move five, six trailers before I can pull mine out. Sure. And that's all. And that time. takes 15, 20, 25 minutes, you know, anywhere in there. So I, I use it and I mark down Mississauga yard and uh, when I go to hook up to the trailer, I take it off and I pin the trailer and do the rest of my uh, pre-trip in that with it. Well, that certainly makes up. Can you imagine the difference it helps you with at the end oh, of yeah. your cycle? Oh, yeah. It's the 100%. difference between you being able to come home and maybe having to sleep yep. somewhere in transit. Yep. So that's great. The only other thing I want to be mindful of with yard move, has it ever happened where you go to a shipper's area and you're in your sleeper berth and they say, look, I don't really want you parked here. I want you to move over to another spot. No, I have never. I haven't had that oh, uh, good. Well, problem. That happened on one trip down to Florida and Georgia. Was yeah. it you pulled into a, like a, a rest area? Oh, yeah, area. I was in the rest area taking a half hour break, and the fire truck came and they needed to go through the gate to get on the road on the other side off the highway. Okay. And they made me move, which you know, I'm going to move for them. Of course. But I didn't have that choice then. Yeah, we, we, we since then we've changed it. So of to course reflect that. it turned red. Yeah, yeah. But because it was my half hour break, after I stopped at a different spot there in the same rest area, but it activated the move. But when I stopped there, what happened was because my time was up, and it took extra minutes to uh, account for the red. Yep. It uh, it went away. It uh, it went back to being green because I did take my break. Sure. But still, in where it was marked on the log, I put an explanation. You know, asked to move by fire department, and I put the engine number down. Uh, what else can I do? You know, there's not much else I can do. That is so key. What you've just described yep. there. You always want to annotate. Yep. You always want to protect yourself. Annotate so that again, worst case scenario. An audit is scheduled, they want to check your records, they Murphy's Law for that day in question, and they see that you've violated your half hour rule or you've, you haven't used your sleeper berth properly because you've been asked to move, yep. you can at least annotate that. Yep. So because we, we, we had another driver, um, the previous driver to uh, doing our race work, uh, Gerald, he ran into the same situation where he was in Connecticut or Virginia at a truck stop sleeping he gets a knock on the door. Yep. There's a garbage truck that's on fire in the truck stop. Whoa. And all the fire departments there waking everybody up because who knows what people have in their trailers. Of course. Let's get them all out of here. And the same thing. And so our driver calls me. I had to move. There was a truck fire and everything. I have the, the fire station's number and everything if you need to confirm it. At the time, we were new users to Big Road, yep. so I called Big Road. Customer service and their technical side is very helpful. They explained it to me. 
you make sure that they get all the notes, everything, fire took place at such and such place, give if you have an officer's number or whatever, you can put that all in the notes and that is your insurance backup if you ever get questioned in the future. Perfect. That's and perfect. wouldn't have known that unless the team at Big Road told us that. Excellent, well that's great. As you know, under ELD, if you go over five miles an hour, it's going to detect movement. So yep. what you're doing is absolutely the right thing to do. So the next thing I want to talk to you about is personal conveyance. Now, personal conveyance is another privilege. Is that something allowed at Apps Transport Group? We generally don't. Uh, the way our fleet is set up, our drivers don't take the trucks home. Okay. But in some situations, that has happened. Like one of the race teams that we do work for, their uh, their motor sh motorsport shop is in Oakville. Bob lives in Burlington. So right. that particular race, it was more convenient instead of him coming all the way back here to pick up his truck. Sure, takes his truck home. That would be classified as personal conveyance. Right, and we're talking about motorsports so much. I don't know if you know, but I'm a big NASCAR fan. So to your comment earlier, you're gonna have to get me back in the truck. Let next race. I'm I'm, I'm there. All right, well, I'll call you. We we got the whole schedule for next year, Mark. I'll call you. You can have a pick which one you want to go on. That'd be awesome. I'd love it. <laughs> now the next thing is once we get to the track, I'm gonna be after the the race car driver to drive the the, the race car too. Well, Bob doesn't even get to do that. That's between you and them. Yeah. <laughs> Because I, I was on the Richard Petty Motorsport Experience. I don't know if you ever tried that. I was at Daytona, and I did the Richard Petty Experience, where I actually got behind the wheel and was able to drive. I actually have the video on. Drove, drove it around the yeah, track. Yeah, it's amazing. There's a lot of people that do that. It's really fun. It's like yeah. a, a bucket, li bucket list thing that I've done. But uh, more on, on personal conveyance. So this here is actually, again, somewhat different in Canada than in the United States, just so you know, the rules are, are somewhat different. In the United States, it's a manual entry. Now, historically, traditionally, they had very restrictive rules. But once ELD was proclaimed in the United States, there was a lot of pressure from a lot of stakeholders, a lot of organizations saying, we're in our new world now with ELD. We're going to our customer site, and for whatever reason, the receiver can't find a bay yep. for me to back into. So you got to park on the street. So I got to park and then I, it's eating up all my on-duty time. It's eating up all my drive time. You can of course go into the sleeper berth, but the rules in the U.S. on sleeper berth are, are a lot more restrictive than in Canada as well. You got the two-hour short rest, the eight-hour long rest. There was occasions where shippers were saying, okay, we've now offloaded you three or four or five hours later and you've looked at your watch and said, I'm out of time. And yeah, some I can't move. Yeah, I can't move. Yeah. But some customers would say, I'm sorry, but you're not allowed to park here. You can't, you, you have to leave this premises. That's, we, that's the same up here too. Yeah. So drivers were running out of time. So they would call you, as an example, and say, I'm out of time now. I'm at ABC customer. What do I do? Well, you had two options. You falsify your log yeah. or you, you don't move. But the U.S. government has recognized that. So they'll allow you to do a personal conveyance move. And there's actually, I wrote a blog about that. If you want to see the link, I will gladly send it to you. And it explains specifically how you can use personal conveyance. It's basically to get to a place of safety. You can't further your move. You can't get closer to your next destination. To It's only for the purpose of getting to a safe Getting area. to a safe place. Now, in Canada, it's, it's a little bit different. But before I go on to that... I want to throw another example at you. Say, Bob, 
Guy says, okay, you're in Florida now and you've dumped off your load and you're over your, or getting close to your preventative maintenance and you need to get some repair work done and you need to bring your vehicle to a shop. Do you think that is considered personal conveyance? No. No, because you're, you're, st you're still doing business work. Exactly. So you're not allowed to use personal conveyance. I'm saying that because people are starting to use personal conveyance as a convenient way to get closer yeah. to their destination. And they will have issues if it's not business related, it'll cause problems, but it'll, it'll, it'll be when, if and when they're ever stopped. So. I got a question for you, Mark. What about at the truck wash? Yep. Like for example, there's a lineup and it's gonna be a couple hours before I get through. Can I use it there? Uh, so first of all, you're going to be on, on off a public highway, right? Oh yeah, yeah and, it's and private you, property. And you'll occasionally have to move the vehicle forward. Yeah, yeah every so, time another truck goes into the wash bay, you move up yeah. one length. So as you're moving forward in theory with ELD, if you're going over five miles an hour, it's gonna detect drive, it's gonna detect driving time. So that will, you'll, you'll likely have to go yard move to indicate that because if you stay off duty and again the worst case scenario we're at a time of audit if they want to search our records a diagnostics report it'll show that the vehicle has been moved and if you spend that time at sleeper birth time that will be actually not precise so i would so say i could go with the yard move at like being in the truck lineup i would say that would be your best bet okay now in Canada, the rules are, are different. Now this is one of the rare occurrences where our rules are stricter in Canada. Under personal conveyance in Canada, excuse the pun, Bob, but you have to be bobtailing. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot be pulling a trailer. In the United States, you can be fully loaded, partially loaded, bobtailing. In Canada, if you're pulling a trailer. Then you, that's, that's considered business. You, yeah, you cannot claim personal conveyance. This Even if you're empty. Even if you're empty. And I'm going home. Yep. If you're not bobtailing, you're, you're, you're on duty, you're driving. You can't claim personal conveyance. The other in Canada is there's a 75 kilometer maximum. Yeah, maximum limit, yeah. So under the system, under the technology, you'd have to enter your starting odometer reading, you're entering your ending odometer, and it can't be more than 75 kilometers. Yeah. And it's, that's on a traditional paper logbook, it's the exact same thing. Exactly. So again, I wrote a blog about that if ever you want to look at that. But the last point is you have to annotate as well in the remarks. Like yeah. You always, always annotate to protect yourself all the yeah. time. The other big important thing that you should know about is the ELD information packet. Uh, after December 16th, there's a packet that you will have to have in your possession. You can download that online or you can request through Fleet Complete to get a, a, us to ship the, the laminate for you. But that's something that you're going to need after December 16th. They're going to do this now. Driver's license, insurance card, registration, bills of lading, Schedule ELD. One. And I want to see your information packet. If yeah. you don't have the information packet, that will be problematic. Well, yeah, because it's, it's basically, that's that's the package that explains how the program works. Yep. Right? So it's the user manual, it's yeah. the instruction sheet. You need to have a read of that, and you need to be able to explain to the officer who's seeing two and 300 different types of yep. devices how you use the device. You know, that's a violation. If you cannot explain to the officer how to use it, that's a violation. Um, the actual decal that says this truck is equipped with e-log system. Right. Is that a requirement? No, it's not. It's a value add that will highlight to the officer that you have actually an ELD 
equipped device on the truck, it's a, it's a value add. So if you don't have that sticker, there's not going to be a violation. And in the U.S.? No, it's not going to be a okay. requirement. It's good to have. It's a value have add. It on the trucks that are currently on it, right. we have that on there. It's not mandated by regulation to answer okay. your question. So, But in terms of the information packet, I would very much get a copy of that and, and keep it in your truck at all times. The next point is another exemption in the U.S., and it's also equivalent in Canada, incidentally, is the pre-2000-year trucks. Now, are you aware that it's it's the engine? It's not the truck. It's the engine, yes. And the, the Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance wrote a very detailed procedure on how to educate the officer at roadside if you're using an older engine vehicle. It's They call them glider kits. Yep. You probably don't have these types of vehicles. No, everything. The oldest truck that we have in our fleet in Canada is uh, 2014. Right. But there are some trucks out there, and there's an ELD there's a if they're a pre-2000 they would be exempt now there's a few other exemptions you may want to you may want to know about um, the short haul radius rule yes. 100 air miles in the united states and that's as the crow flies right yeah. and or that's 160 in canada it's 160 in canada but the rules are different in canada again you know seriously so it's a 100 air mile rule you have to return to your principal place of business within 12 hours you have to be released from work if you're not, so say as an example, you don't return to your terminal, you decide to sleep in your sleeper, you're still within the 100 air miles, you're not, you're exempt, you're not exempt, you need to, mm-hmm. to complete a log. Yeah. So that's one thing some drivers aren't aware of. Yeah, well, with the way we are going to be doing things here in Ontario, as well as Western Canada, all trucks are going to be on it, simply because if uh, Bob is normally scheduled to go to Ottawa, right? Yes, he is on his ELD system, right? He called in sick, whatever the case is. The next driver that just happens to be walking through the door, okay, Joe, you have to go to Ottawa. It doesn't make sense to have, like some of our trucks, like Bob drives the only sleeper unit that we have here in Ontario, but we can send a tandem up to Ottawa. Just we have to watch how many stops that they they have on on the trailer for delivery. Sure. But uh, he can go there with a tandem on an ELD, but that's why we've decided every truck is going to be on it and every driver is going to be on it because something could change within our dispatching that warrants that other driver to go on a longer distance run. Very wise to do that because I see some carriers, they talk to me about having mixed fleets where some are exempt, others are not exempt. Some days they are, some days they're not. It's very confusing. It's very difficult to manage. So I think that's a a real prudent approach you've taken there. I've met lots of drivers um, that we'll call just a city driver who never leave Mississauga. And we'll bring him in for a road test. And that's one of the first things I asked them. Do you have your past 14 days worth of hours of service records? Very important. And they said, well, this is a road test. And I said, it doesn't matter if it's a road test. You could still be stopped. Exactly. Right? And they said, well, I'm a city driver. I never leave Mississauga. doesn't matter. You should always be tracking your hours. You have no way of knowing yeah. if he leaves it or not. Right? Yeah. I have, I have no idea. As someone who does the road <laughs> testing. I have no idea if that driver just came off of a 12-hour shift. Exactly. Right? And I've, I've had it where drivers have come in for a road test, and they said, oh, I was lucky I got here because of the traffic. And they said, oh, what do you mean? 
So then he tells me, oh, I just came back from Windsor. And I said, oh, <laughs> we're going to reschedule that road test <laughs> Good because I'm not going out with you if you just came back from driving through a snowstorm all night. Yep. Sorry, we're not going to do this today. That's like I, I need to have verification yep. that you've been off for a period of time. And yep. that's just that's the rule that we have here. And we've had that rule for road tests for 20 plus years. That's fantastic. It's it's like the Murphy's Law, right? Whenever you least yep. want something to happen, that's where things will go sideways yep. on that 100%. day. You'll be involved in a crash. You'll, the driver will yep. have been on duty for 14 hours, yep. and now he's with you. Yep. So, But it I, is amazing. It, like, and Bob is uh, one of the guys that I talk to here at Apps, and uh, as well as a, another a group of senior drivers who all are on this mindset yes you need to track your hours but it's amazing how many drivers that call themselves professional right don't do that yeah when this comes in effect here they're in for a big surprise that's all yeah. i can say yeah i agree i agree yeah that's why i personally like uh, when i was driving uh we didn't have this option right, right? but i if I was still driving, I would I would accept that tooth and nail. I have no no issue with that at all. Of anything, it's covering me. Yep. Right. Interesting. You mentioned that because when ELD was first proclaimed with the AOBRD grandfathering, I spoke to a lot of truckers who said, "You know what? I'm getting out of the industry. I'm not going to subscribe to this." And they don't, They because once you're a trucker, it's in your DNA. Yeah. The diesel fumes, the axle grease, it's in your DNA, just like me. The I get white in, lines running through your yeah. blood veins. <laughs> and I talk to those same drivers today, and I say, now you've had the technology for a little over a year. What do you think? You know what the consistent reply is? I'll never go back to paper. You better not take that away from yeah. me. You know, this, so. this becomes such a tool for drivers, yep. right? And it, it's to benefit them because they can say, look, I cannot go there. I'm out of hours. I'm not lying to you. Right. It's right there. And dispatch or operations or safety, they can see that. Yeah. They're, it, they can't, the, the, they the can device, see it on their computer too. The, the, the device does not lie. That's a direct link to what's happening in the truck. Just curious, how has that changed the way the businesses manage with your customers too, because I, you know, I've had interaction with other carriers and truckers who say, you know what, my mandate is to get the job done, and I will get the job done. Now, in this old, this new world, now the technology is telling the story, and it's changing the way freight gets delivered. So, how is the interaction with the customers who say you used to be able to do this? How come you can't do this anymore? Well, I, I've always been a person. Uh, when I was driving, I always had uh, direct interaction with people who sell the business, right? Whether it's our VPs that sell the business to our sales team. And I always tell them, I said, look, if you're bidding on a certain contract that has very tight timelines that you know are tight, yep. you know what? Don't just bid on that contract just to get them to sign. Right. Come talk to our safety department. Come talk to our dispatch. We have a very open concept team here, and we will say, look, we can do this, or no, we won't even think of doing that because it's putting not only the driver at risk, but it's putting the company at risk. Exactly. Right, and yeah. you, you need to engage that with customers, right? right. You, you can't say to somebody, oh yeah, 
we can be in Windsor in three hours. Right. Right. That's 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 not possible. Right. Yep. Speed limit's a hundred. Maximum you can do is a, just do the math. Yeah. It, it's not rocket science to figure that out. Yep. This just an ELD just became a calculator for everybody to see. Love it. I love it. It's going to be big changes. I, a, a lot of carriers that aren't used to operating in this fashion. They're in for a big, big surprise. When they negotiate the rates and then they tell the trucker to say, you know, you still need to be creative. Well, no. No, it doesn't work that you way. You can't. There, no. There's there's no way you can cheat or lie on there because yep. the minute you start the engine, it picks it up, shuts exactly. it off, it picks it up. I mean, exactly. if you turn it on and off 20 times, it'll be in there. Yep. Yeah, yeah. timestamps everything. Perfect. Uh, it's not like you can do anything and if you disconnect it it knows too so exactly <laughs> yeah just a couple of others even not applicable to apps because you guys are full fully compliant with the rules but there's a few other exemptions that i wanted to speak about and they're specific this one is specific to the united states it's called the 8 and 30 rule and that basically says if you don't go over eight days and 30 that requires you to complete a log you are again going to be exempt under eld you still must have the paper logs or electronic logs that are not connected to the ECM, but you're not required to comply with ELD. The reason why I'm bringing that up is for our friends south of the border, because in Canada, guess what? The Canada Made in Canada ELD rules doesn't have an 8 and 30. Mm -hmm. So all you can do is default back to the short haul exemption. So can you imagine the trucker from, say, Ohio coming into Canada and then gets stopped at the scale in Bowmanville and says, I'm on the 8 and 30 rule. You know what the officer MTO is going to say in Bowmanville? I, I don't want to hear that. We don't have an 8 and 30 rule here yeah, in Canada. Sorry. So, sorry. We crossed the border hours ago. Yeah. So, yeah. that's just something I want to, it's not going to affect apps, but I'm saying this for the benefit of our listeners who are based in the United States, that they better be aware that mm -hmm. it's not applicable in Canada. The second, the next one is the driveway tollway exemptions. Now that's where the actual cargo is actually the, the load being carried. And that's as you've seen them on the road is the tractor with the saddle mounts pulling a series of tractors. Oh behind. yeah, like a new, yes. new delivery. Exactly. Yeah. That or you're recovering a, a vehicle that's been involved in a crash. So towing of, of vehicles. Now, I don't think apps, you don't have any. We don't have our own setup like that. No. Right, no, none of the towing type vehicles. And the last one is the pre-2000 year, which is... No, is 2014 is the oldest. Yeah, so this is going to be similar to Canada and the U.S. Those are some of the similarities. So um, some of the other exemptions we talked about in Canada is the 160 rule. We talked about that. Yep. I want to stress the fact that there's not going to be a grandfathering clause here in Canada for those U.S. haulers that come into Canada. There's no grandfathering. So just so you know that as well. Um, the sleeper birth rules, you probably know the sleeper birth rules are, are different in Canada and the United States. If you're in a team environment, they allow more flexibility in Canada. They don't recognize the U.S. Uh, sleep, the team drivers in the U.S., so you have to use the same requirements. So those rules are different. Some of the other exemptions, and I'm not sure uh, apps would have this, but if you have a Transport Canada federal exemption permit, for hours of service, that would also potentially yeah. exempt No, you. and I, I've read online that it, that that applies to somebody like a livestock hauler. Exactly. Like there, there's certain parameters that your company has to fall in, but we don't uh, we you don't, don't do that. No, it's the cattle. It's it's you also have to have like a, an excellent safety rating mm -hmm. as well to be even accepted into that. To be considered, there's a fair bit of hoops that you have to go through 
to, to comply with that requirement, and it has to be really perishable goods. Uh, some of the other exemptions in Canada, they're a little bit different than the U.S. If your truck, trailer, the gross weight, the registered gross weight is below 4,500 kilograms in Canada, you're exempt. There's a special bus exemption in Canada for design seating capacity of 10, including the driver. And this other unique one, and as to your point you mentioned earlier, is the rental vehicles. There is a specific exemption in Canada under 30 days. Mm-hmm. You can use this exemption to not have ELD in Canada once the regulation in Canada is proclaimed in 2021. But guess what? If you try to use that rental exemption in the United States and you're now in New York State and you say, oh, I got a rental vehicle, so I'm exempt. Guess what the officer in the U.S. is going to say? Got a logbook. Yeah. yeah. It, yeah you got to have that backup. You got to have the backup. So these are just some of the rules um, that I just wanted to talk about. You know, I don't know if there's anything else that you'd want to table while we're having our chat, if there's something we may have skipped over or any questions you'd like to ask of me. I have a question in the back there. It says more on the bottom. I go in there to put my trailer number in and shipping documents. Right. Now, um, do I have to list every shipper or can I just put in my manifest number that's covering that trip? I would say you can use the manifest number as long as they can associate the manifest number with the series of bills of ladings that you yes. can then yeah, supply. They, that can be all matched up on my tablet because it's all there. Yep. Plus it can be looked up in the file months later, you know, you pull yeah. out that trip number and it'll, exactly. it'll have everything there. As long as there's a paper trail there, that will oh, yeah, be there's, sufficient. Oh yeah, there's a paper trail there. Yeah, no, that's great. There's some very prescribed supporting documents that are going to be required, both at roadside and in the event of an audit. And it's actually prescribed in the ELD requirements. Very, very specific documentation. And what these supporting documents are really, they're, they're time markers. Mm-hmm. Just so you know, because yeah. all of these support documents will have date stamps on them. They'll yeah. have the date, so the that time. So fuel receipts, exactly. anything like that. So yeah. those all have to match. That was another, the fuel receipt I noticed in the back it has for fuel. I've never used that because they fuel me always on the yard. Right. I would make a mental note or just note it down the time where that took place because unless we, uh, the, the fuel truck that comes in okay. comes in within like a four hour window. Okay. And are you with your truck then? No. no oh, well no, then no. no. Don't I'm never with my truck yeah. when it gets fueled. Yeah, yeah. Now, when I fuel by myself outside, am I required to fill that field in or do yes. I just keep the receipt? I would fill in that field because that is actually unless you're being relieved of responsibility which i don't think you are you are on duty not driving so i would not claim that as as off duty time that's clearly on duty time okay yeah i've never used that field but i'll start using it now then yeah i would definitely do that so unless you have any other questions comments you know i really want to take this time to sincerely thank you both uh, apps transport group for allowing us to speak today I think this has been a great session. I'm looking forward to doing more in the future. And I, I just want to acknowledge how much I think highly of you. You know, you're the inaugural podcast for us. So thank you very much. Congratulations, Bob. Thank you, Dee. Have a safe and productive day, both of you. Thank Thanks, you, Mark. Thanks for coming in. And Fleet Completes Walk. Right